This is a production for Equal Voice NL. My name is Gina Gill. I'm an independent journalist in Newfoundland Labrador. I'm here with Laura Lee of Equal Voice. And each day we're going to be interviewing a different candidate who's running for the municipal election. The name of our podcast is called Polyfem. And we're excited to speak with female candidates about their experience during the running. Today we have with us Renee Sharp, who's running for mayor in the St. John's municipal election. Renee is an entrepreneur, a woman in the trades, and a self-defense instructor, and she's excited to chat to us today about politics. Yes, uh, my name is Renee Sharp, 35-year-old woman uh, in the trades. I'm a community worker, I'm a welder, and I'm running for mayor of St. John's. Awesome. So uh, do you want to start with questions? Uh, Sure. Well, um, why don't you tell us why you decided to run? I decided to run because I was so inspired by the women who uh, so bravely uh, and passionately put their names in for the running for various seats on council. And uh, I was specifically asked to run for mayor uh, by a few people who are total powerhouse women in the community. And when uh, my friend said, you know, if you run for mayor, I will be your campaign manager. And it's as simple as that. 20 minutes later, I announced, and in the spirit of, yes, if someone believes in you, if people recognize you as a leader in the community, recognizes you as someone who is a strong voice in representing people's truest needs in our community, when they ask you to step up, you have to honor that. And since then, so many people... Uh, strangers, friends, uh, acquaintances have stepped in and have said, we are so thankful for your running. Uh, what can we do to help? And they've been so helping. They've been so helpful that since that first moment that I announced my running for mayor, I have been working and uh, so inspired and so motivated to work so hard to honor the people's trust in me. And I took it because... I am the leader in the community. I am the go-to for when people have um, needs, like lack of access to services, mental health and addictions. Uh, People come to me uh, with their needs of feeling unsafe in the community with my role as a women's self-defense instructor. People come to me when they're struggling with uh, pay equity in the workforce as women in the trades. I I make sure that everyone is, is getting an equal um, voice and representation. I'm the go-to, I'm a leader, and it's like, you know what? You do not have to be a business man to run for mayor. You do not. I am a person in the community. I know the community's needs. I love St. John's. I want St. John's to be safe and accessible and fun and vibrant for everyone. And this is for us and I'm here for us and I'm in a special situation where I can do that. I can have, I could be that representation, that working class people, that working poor people, that poor people, marginalized people, at-risk people need that representation on city council and I'm truly grateful that I could be a person who could work my hardest to meet that need in a collective effort and raise their voices and efforts up. So it's been something big and I'm so excited. I think it's great what you just said that, you know, you don't have to be a businessman Mm -hmm. to run for council in St. John's. Um, And, you know, sometimes when we um, look at candidates who don't necessarily look like candidates who've Mm -hmm. run for certain office in the past, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we 
can challenge like their appropriateness or whatever to be there. I think one of the things that's great about you is that you're speaking to issues that don't usually get spoke to in a mayoral or municipal um, election. Um, Do you want to talk about like the kinds of things that you're running on? Absolutely. So, okay, well, that also speaks to why I'm running also, Mm -hmm. because we're seeing a lack of um, focus on the particular issues that affect us all in the city. So when we see people running for mayor or running for council whose platform doesn't go past the promise, the false promise of lowering taxes, then how are we going to move forward as a city? So I'm saying, listen, Let's talk about and raise the important issues of, again, the lack of transparency as our as leaders and city council and as a city council of itself that is so inaccessible to the uh, normal constituent of our city, to the normal people in our community. They do not feel invited to participate in city council, in the decisions that are made on city council. Um, so I would focus on... Um, transparency is me as a leader so people know exactly what i stand for that people know that i'm accessible to them they could speak to me about their needs and i will bring their voices and concerns and work in collaboration with them on the city council level and um making sure we are doing that work again as a transparent city council so personally as a city council uh i will definitely be focusing on progress in the city in regards to economic growth people want to speak to economic growth and i agree we have underutilized spaces in the city that could be used as uh for a perfect space for people who are starting up small business uh ventures for people who don't have the space to um do the community work that they need to in regards to services that we sorely need in the city and they are not feeling supported by by city council they are met with bureaucracy and red tape that is sometimes uh, so impossible to work through that it takes years before anyone can start a small business, let alone um, making your your current business or your current employment situ- situation thrive. There's no support in that. So, and also equity. So we're talking about poverty reduction and anti-oppression framework uh, with regards to running our city. So when I say that. Uh, again, I am a community worker, so I used to work as a uh, housing support worker, making sure people who are most at risk and most chronically homeless have access to the resources that could help them get a more permanent housing situation. Obviously, with all the resources that come along with that, such as uh, clean needles, uh, condoms, food, clothing, informal counseling, counseling, just all the things that we all deserve uh to have a dignity to life and that's what we're talking about we're talking about people having a dignity to life in our city our city is vibrant it is beautiful but it is ridiculous that we have a homeless population that we have we have a opioid crisis that is um, not getting the help and attention it deserves and I am pushing forward for a um a very strong, um, I'm saying we must, we must have a harm reduction model put in place for the opioid crisis. I'm saying we we must support people who are hungry in our city. Um, and that's, that's what I'm going on. You know what I mean? So equity, poverty reduction, and a much more kinder and realistic 
approach to life in the city. When people hear us talk like this, people who are used to a city council just talk on the, the business side of things, they think it's not realistic to talk about taking care of our people. But it is. It's very realistic. In fact, it's at the core of our life to talk about how we can all be safe as a community in St. John's. And that is our job as a city council. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to do that job in collaboration, again, with the people who are already working tirelessly with lack of support to make uh, St. John's safer, safer for everyone. So it comes down to that. So you were talking about talking to the regular like citizen. Yeah. And I'm from middle class family. I'm a yeah. mom. Yeah. I have a husband. I have faced, um, not personally, but opiate addiction in my family. Mm. And I have used the food bank this year. Mm. So this is a reality, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's not just the, the marginalized That's people. Right. This is our community now. Yes. Yeah. You know, we're facing these these issues um so why you know why did what's your plan for harm reduction yeah i'm glad you said that because when i speak of these things people are like well we're not going to be able to help all the special interest groups it's like excuse me this isn't a special interest group these are this is all of us we are all affected by uh, a poorly uh uh poor spending of our tax money we are all affected when uh, not everyone has access to again these services that give us a dignity for life um, and if you think your son or your daughter or your sister or your grandmother or your mother or your father going to the food bank is a special interest group, I don't think so. Like the, the food bank is so um, uh, regularly accessed, so underfunded, and people are not understanding that uh, this is not a special interest. This is, this is the reality that a lot of us are struggling and it's, it's not right. It makes no sense. You know what I mean? So, oh, so what am I going to do specifically? So with the harm reduction, okay, so specifically with the opioid crisis, um, so glad the conversation's happening. So glad uh, St. John's in Newfoundland is in some ways ahead of some of the other provinces and cities in, in Canada. We do have an naloxone kits, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, we have a push for the uh, metal uh, safe... Um, a deposit box for the needles, um, which apparently the city keeps denying for that for that push to uh, to make those uh, safe deposit box available. Uh, so much so that I've talked to uh, Tree, who's an incredible woman doing harm reduction work in regards to uh, addictions here in the, the city, and um, she told me that they are looking into working with um, a sheet metal shop to make their own. Uh, um, metal safe depository boxes and I said I will weld them you know what I mean so we're doing it ourselves and that's the point we have been doing this work ourselves for eons grassroots community organizations have been doing the work um, of making people safe so we're talking about taking those efforts and making sure the city supports those efforts both financially and uh, and and working collectively to raise up these voices and efforts as a city to make sure we have spaces to work out of i.e we need a safe injection site so the city should absolutely uh donate a storefront in the downtown core as a safe injection site people are very put off by that comment they say well we don't want that in our backyard kind of thing and i'm saying this is what's happening in our st john's we can't we cannot ignore it People are dying from overdoses with a lack of safe 
a safe way to use drugs with the fentanyl obviously everyone is affected because no one knows where the fentanyl is put in our drugs and we really have to make sure to take away the stigma of drug users and that is what we have to do as a city council and that, and we're already doing the work as a grassroots community at, with grassroots roots community efforts we need to make sure this us and them um conversation ends right now there is no me and then oh the drug users that's ridiculous uh we need to take away the stigma from for uh in regards to drug users we need to take away the stigma in regards to people who choose to do sex work in the city we need to take away the stigma for mental health we need to take away all of these us and them conversations and make sure that we have empathy and and real concrete solutions to people who are at risk in our community and living on the margins pushed out of our communities it's not right we need to focus on it now so what we would do is to have a a uh, safe injection site clean needles a place to put them and uh, food shelter etc for anyone who is lacking any of those things i was also having some great conversations with people who were thinking that since um you know since we need an immediate answer right now another really Um, accessible idea would be to have a mobile safe injection uh, unit so people who are driving around giving out clean needles with a community health nurse with snacks sandwiches again with condoms anything that could reduce the harm of people who are again sex workers drug users and they are not one of the same but making sure people who do need those services have access to them so a mobile unit could be something that we could do um so there's so many exciting ideas to reduce the harm for people in our community and the great thing about it is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel we can only look to other cities who are doing a really good job supporting drug users such as vancouver and toronto um, and other cities who are pushing to uh, make sure people are taken care of in the community so I would look no further than those uh, excellent communities and make sure that we are, as a city, advocating for those services to be provided in St. John's. Okay. Um, I mean, you come from a different background than the people who typically run for mayor in this city, as we've already talked about Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, One of the things that comes up um, around you is that you haven't been on council before. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything you'd like to talk about in terms of the skill sets you bring to the table because you do come from a union background and Mm -hmm. you do as you've already talked about you come from a public safety background Mm -hmm. so how do you think all of that prepares you to be mayor of st john's good question absolutely so what i'm seeing is people who are running for mayor yes they do have experience at city council right now the the current people who are running for mayor um i'm not interested in the in the current way that they run uh, city council as a collective because it does not again meet the needs of people it does not have proper representation of people with me running i am bringing experience in the community i know what people need uh again a working class woman who people can relate to so i think it's important for people to say hey i know the needs of the community and we our voices collectively should be raised to a city council level where our needs our needs can be truly met so with me as a person on the ground uh knowing the needs again and as a leader as a go-to I'm smart, I'm a capable woman, I'm competent, 
I am ready to listen to the people's needs and also totally respect uh, what's happening on uh, city council in the way that they make decisions. I would make this, uh, decisions collectively with them and feel honored, actually, to uh, work with, with their collective um, knowledge and to make sure that we have fair, accessible uh, council meetings. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Y- yes. Yeah. Um, so... I think, you know, again, you, you're running on a platform that's kind of different than we've seen before. Uh, I think you're probably the only person uh, running for mayor who's mentioned uh, aboriginals mm. and aboriginal issues in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to say a bit more about that? I do. So um, I would make sure to start every council me- meeting with a land acknowledgement to remind us that indigenous people are not represented at all on city council or openly in our in in our city um which is unfair and so we we have um it spelled out for us how to work with truth and reconciliation efforts in our city uh and we need to work towards that truth and reconciliation we need to um invite indigenous communities into our city council work with them and ask what do you need for better representation and better support in our city what can we do for you because when they uh when the saint john's native friendship center uh was pushing to open their daycare um a few years ago it was pushed um it was that that was pushed away from city council they tried to deny it and it took them four years to open their daycare so that is not right. We must be working with indigenous people, asking them exactly what they need because it, it's their province. It, it, this is their city. Why are they not represented on, uh, on the city council? That's not right. It's unsafe. And with the acknowledgement of the missing and murdered uh, women in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Canada, what are we doing? What are we doing to ignore the ignore the violence that indigenous people uh, experience in our city province in Canada so but I'm very careful to say uh, to, to not speak uh, in a way that somehow um, uh, insinuates that indigenous people are at risk they are an empowered community they are working hard uh, to um, get their voices heard they are doing incredible work so we need to take their incredible powerful work and uh, celebrate it and make sure that they are getting all all the recognition that they deserve as a thriving community in in our city while also listening to to their needs in the ways that they don't feel like they're thriving so let them speak so i would rate i would raise their voices to the forefront and not speak for them kind of ridiculous actually that it takes any uh, four years to get anything done yep <laughs> yep exactly so uh newfoundland and labrador like you said has a huge indigenous population and saint john's mm-hmm. is pretty much the representation for newfoundland mm-hmm. would a committee uh, do uh, do we have an indigenous committee on council would that be a consideration that would be a consideration absolutely anything that they uh anything that is within uh the the council's ability to bring them in in the biggest and most vibrant way possible, I would work towards. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
How about, um, since you're a progressive candidate, what do you think needs to be done for uh, gay and trans people at City Hall? Because, I mean, the way it is right now is kind of we put up the, the gay pride flag and we have the mm-hmm. gay parade, gay pride parade mm-hmm. once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what else do you think needs to be done beyond this kind of symbolic stuff that's happening right now? Yeah, and good point with the symbolic thing because we want to make sure that we're not being tokenistic when we talk about uh, better uh, bringing in indigenous people, bringing in people from the LBGTQ community, bringing in people of color, bringing in working class, union, poor, whatever. We, we do. We do need to make sure we're not tokenizing when we just say, hey, we have uh, an indigenous person or a gay person speaking uh, at our at our event. That's that's not we're moving towards that now. And we are moving towards l- like actual representation from the LBGT community, again, the indigenous community, anyone who feels left out of the conversation. So again, I would put the same um, efforts and call-outs to the LBGT community, which I am involved with, and make sure their voices and concerns are being met in the most creative, innovative, and uh, positive way on city council with the... uh, intent obviously to make some real change with better access to services again for lbgtq uh, people because uh, they often are left out of the conversation they often feel ostracized they often feel sa- unsafe in our communities um, and that that unsafeness comes from a push uh, to to the margins, to a push away from services that that better uh, make them feel supported as a community, a push away from um, again mental health services. You know what I mean. So we need to make sure that they have a a solid uh, city to exist and thrive in, feel respected, feel safe, and feel honored. And we feel very proud of the LBGT community in the city, and we're going to make sure that we work again with them and raise their voices uh, to the forefront, not speak for them, um, but raise their voices and make sure they're heard. Again, consultations, working with them, forming communities, all that good stuff that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, On another note, you've been pretty uh, vocal about having a really small budget for your campaign, (laughs) which is uh, impressive. So why did you decide to take that route? Oh, if I had tons of money, that'd be even better. <laughs> that would be that would be excellent. But you don't need to be again a, a rich business person or a rich lawyer or or like heavy uh, oil money backing say to to run for mayor. You do not. You need the support and uh, um, and you need the support from your community. And I'm a grassroots woman. I've done everything in my life from a grassroots. Uh, 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 foundation. I'm a hard worker. I've had nothing given to me in my life. I have a single mom who uh, struggled to to raise me with help with my grandmother, um, and I did everything myself. And that's why I'm a strong woman here today. There are communities that do everything themselves. That's why they're strong and resilient communities. But we deserve to move beyond resilience and go into a comfort a thriving in life so when i'm running for mayor with a limited budget and i will say that people have been so kind to donate to the gofundme campaign and i'm i'm honored and and so excited that people trust in this process to give give us as a campaign team their money um that it's like no we don't need money to have 
proper representation on on city council absolutely not whose whose needs are met who's who who is feeling represented by uh, someone who just has a huge financial background running as mayor i don't think so a working class woman who knows the struggles uh, of just living a vibrant life and who is resilient and kind and open and and loving to uh, the people in in our community in St. John's that's what we need to see and I'm proud of that I'm really proud of that I'm so proud to come from that background are you going to run the council the same way it's low budget low cost hey see <laughs> and that's the connection that we need to make exactly I, I spend money in a smart and innovative way I, 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 I would make sure that our tax money is spent in a smart and innovative way in a way that people feel again supported in a way that um, is making sure that there's a fair and equal distribution of the way our tax money is spent uh, people people want to know obviously people are asking well are you going to lower uh, our taxes and you you cannot answer that but what I can say is what I'm hearing uh, our people are frustrated People are bummed out. People are worried about our tax situation right now. And I'm hearing that. So I would work so hard to make sure that our tax money is spent in a way that better supports everyone as a community. I would never promise to lower taxes. That's not within my my uh, possibilities. Uh, but I would work hard on city council as a collective with the expertise on city council with the expertise of the economists on, on city council I, I would we would work uh with city planners again economists people who are so knowledgeable of the best way to spend our collective tax dollars and do that moving forward and making sure everyone knows where our tax money is going complete transparency and a lot of uh conversation is happening with we need an audit on mile one. We need an audit of where the city uh, spending is going. What is happening that we don't know where our money is going? What is happening that we don't know how decisions are made on council? What is happening that we're not involved with these decisions being made on council? That's not okay. And people are over it and they feel more empowered and they feel like, actually, yes, I would like to be a part of this conversation because this is my life. This is our community, and we have a right to know exactly what decisions are made, how, and to have a voice in what decisions are being made moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I think one of your strengths in a lot of ways is that you come from a union background, mm. and City Hall is a unionized environment. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how that's going to help you in working with the, the union at City Hall? Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I'm a I'm a strong uh, I, I I have I have strong pride in my union. I'm a I'm a welder with the Ironworkers Union, and with unions, there is so much um, um, focus and care to make sure everyone is, is has an equal voice in in the decision making process. Uh, does that always work? Not necessarily, but but it's but it's it's there. It, it's there. The conversation is there to make sure there's uh, equal pay, equal voice, uh, workers' rights, a safe place to work, uh, working towards um, making sure that people are uh, working in a way that's good for the collective union. 
And so taking my expertise in that particular field and coming into city council, that is a huge, huge strength. And I'm so looking forward to getting into city council as mayor and working as a collective at city council. Again, working with the expertise that exists on city council, really valuing the voice and uh, the knowledge of everyone that will be on city council. I'm looking forward to the additional people who are going to get seats. Maggie Burton, looking forward to working with Maggie Burton, Sheila O'Leary, Hope Jamison. I'm working. um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to working with all these people and the people who already exist on on city council collectively in a fair way in collaboration with each other, in collaboration with the community. That's my history. That's how I operate. And I'm so looking forward to continuing that history and how I operate at the city council level. Okay. Um, Do you have any thoughts on kind of what can be done to advance women in the public service at City Hall? Because, um, like, a lot of times when the kind of list of senior managers at City Hall go, goes out, we don't see a lot of female names on mm-hmm. it. And similarly, you know, when the um, uh, the sunshine list comes out of the province, it's like it's only 40% female. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, for example, when Kathy Dunderdale was premier in Newfoundland and Labrador, she had a reputation for doing a lot to bring women into mm-hmm. uh, the trades. So, you know, what kinds of things do you think you could do at City Hall to advance women? Mm, well, again, this is this is also my jam, as you know. I've I've <laughs> I, I've I've been a, a, a keynote speaker many times at, at women in, women in trades conferences. Actually, uh, one time with Kent, Kathy Dunderdale, uh, we spoke in the same uh, uh, you know at the same event. And what I do is um, advocate for women to. Uh, get their money to make sure they're going into whatever trade or profession that they want to do to make sure they have choices. I love choices. I love when women have choices. I love when indigenous people have choices. I love when people of color have choices, LBGTQ community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I love when people have choices. So what I do, uh, my job as a woman who empowers other women and other underrepresented people um, in the workforce to go out there feel supported and then um make it happen so we talk about you know here is some uh funding for school here is some support from from going to school moving forward and getting a job so i work closely with the office of advanced women apprentices and their job is to make sure women are getting hired after they've gone to trade school because often we see uh people won't hire women uh people won't hire under uh, underrepresented groups uh uh, when it comes to um, the trades workforce, not uncommon with what we're t- with what we're seeing to women in politics. When we when we talk about yes, go for it, Be- become a woman in politics, get into um, get into it, do the training, do the work, put in the blood, sweat, and tears, but then they don't get a seat at the table. And so we're talking about okay, how do we get to the seat? To, uh, how do we how do we make sure there's an opening? How do we make sure there's an invitation? How do we make sure um, women are getting a seat on the council or at different levels of obvi- obviously uh, governance or anything? So I'm talking about the trades. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about we're talking about all the positions right now because it's it's not uh, it's not a one issue deal we we're all very knowledgeable that women's expertise and knowledge is 
severely undervalued and our expertise is uh, sorely underpaid. We know this. And so my work in the community is to work towards empowerment for everyone, women, trans people, uh, again, LBGTQ, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, underrepresented and undervalued people in, in, our, in our world um, to make sure that they feel supported to make sure that once they are working in their respective field, that they are uh, working in a uh, non-toxic environment, a safe environment, to make sure that the the um, the policies or the whatever you want to call it are put in place to make sure there is uh, no room for any type of violence. So the violence that women in underrepresented groups experience in their work field is multi-layer, as we know. Uh, the harassment and violence that we experience uh, can be based on, obviously, our skin color, our size, our class, our gender, um, our country of origin. Um, we know this. It's multi-layered. So we would make sure to do this, have the conversation, make sure people uh, feel validated in their experience, um, of of experiencing this harassment or push out of their mo- money or their work or push out of the politics. It's all one, right? We're talking about um, people feeling like, oh, mm, maybe I can't be a politician because there's the, there are these barriers, sometimes hard to name. And so that's why we have to spell it out, talk about what it looks like, what these barriers look like, and then collectively say, okay, I have your back. How can we move forward as a community? And so the conversation, and then once we get in there to make sure there's a constant uh, support moving forward to women and other people getting into politics, to women and other people getting into the trades, uh, anything, to make sure they're getting equal pay, their work is valued, They're not the first on the layoff list. They're not to be uh, the first to get pushed out by bullying on city council. Um, They're valued. And that's what we're moving towards. That's what people are ready for. And that's why this election is so exciting. Mm. Uh, One of the things I've tried to talk about through Equal Voice this year is um, how the media cover female politicians, Mm -hmm. which kind of leads out of the, what you were just saying there. Um, When, you know, when I'm, my favorite books is Gendered News by Elizabeth Goodyear mm. Grant, who's a political scientist at Queens, and it's well established in political science literature that um, we create different narratives around female politicians in the news mm-hmm. than those that we create around male politicians. Uh, do you want to talk about what your experience with media has been like <laughs> since you announced? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I want to say thank you for making this uh woman focused uh podcast happen because i already feel at ease i already feel like you're not going to edit out my strong points <laughs> and and that's what's been happening because because i i am a woman in the community who um is very proud of my vulnerability i like being hey here i am this is my background i'm working class and i'm uh, really proud of of who I am. Uh, I'm an actual person <laughs> running for mayor. So I I go in I go into an interview like that, trusting trusting that I will be uh, respected um, because 
I respect myself and I have nothing to hide. So when I'm when I see the interviews then after on television or on the radio and I see that they're only showing me laughing, <laughs> saying, oh, I'm running for mayor because I decided and then the next day I, I went for it. It's wild. <laughs> and they've edited out me saying all my really strong and important points of saying. And I did that because I am ready. I'm a woman in the community who is a leader. I'm a woman in the community who is smart and competent, and I know the needs of the community. I know how to run a city council because when I get in there, I'm going to respect the process, learn quick, and run it again as a collective, knowing that we all uh, have uh, important voice, a turn to speak, one vote, me sometimes maybe two votes we're trying to figure that out speaking of the lack of transparency i can't i can't figure out if i have one vote or two votes as mayor but this is the situation i'll be running as a collective like this so i know i know the needs that need to be brought up as someone running for mayor of saint john's and when i talk about my platform in a smart and effective way in the media they're cutting it out so unfair representation Absolutely. Because when I see uh, the other candidates who happen to be white males, uh, they're choosing to show the clips that the news media are choosing to show the clips of where they are are seeming very confident and self-assured, which is fine because people know me and they know I'm smart. And that's one advantage I have. People believe and trust in the process that I would be a good leader. And I am thankful for that. But I'm really looking forward to um, some improvement with how we are represented in the media. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, every time I, I say that as the chair of Equal Voice, that, you know, it's unfair how uh, media uh, cover female politicians. And this is established effectively in political science research. Every yeah. woman will just nod her head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about you, I think, put on your Facebook account a picture of yourself with a little girl and I know like when Hillary Clinton was running for president um, I don't think it got out how much um, little girls liked her and how much they were really liked their Hillary dolls um, but you know it wasn't lost on me that she did mention them in her concession speech and I think the top tweet on her Twitter account is still what she said in her um, concession speech about little girls know that you are powerful know that you are mm-hmm. valued so um, I was wondering how little girls reacted to your campaign. Oh, I love being the role model that little girls can have that I didn't have. You know what I mean? I love it. I My work with um, uh, just generally empowering young girls and women in the community is is tenfold. I, I often work with Girls Rock NL and I'm always uh, the person who... Uh, you know, I'm 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 the host for the Girls Rock NL concerts after teaching them some self defense on the side and and as a musician myself playing uh, uh, the drums in in loud bands. I'm a, I'm a woman in in oftentimes a, a musical and arts subculture that is mostly male dominated. So my job uh, my whole life has been to cheerlead uh, for young girls to take up space on the stage, take up space in politics, take up space in their relationships talk about consent talk about how they're 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 the boss of their bodies they're the boss of their minds they're the boss of their lives i am that uh role model and i'm so um i'm so happy to be that role model for young girls and older women people people are thankful for me 
uh, on so many levels, and I'm and I'm honored with that. And so my uh, little cousin Gracie, that's who is in my arms, and uh, and she is uh, very important to me. I love her very much. I, I spent uh, most of her life uh, uh, doing uh, uh, some caregiving work with her, and she's so smart. She's so incredible. And when uh, my aunt offered to bring her down to the to the signing uh, at, the, at the city hall to say I'm officially running for mayor. Uh, I was just so excited for uh, Gracie, who is five, uh, uh, going into kindergarten to see that her cousin Renee is running for mayor and to, to talk to her about what, what that means. And uh, when I was interviewed by NTV, I asked Grace if she wanted to be on TV and she just looked at me and said, yes. So I scooped her up in my arms and had her in on the on the television and uh she was so excited to see herself on TV. She was saying, oh, my God, this is wild. I can't believe it. And I knew in that moment she saw herself as cool and powerful and important. And that's the biggest thing. I want young girls. I want girls and women of all ages, trans women, young women, older women, to know they are important and and to strive for empowerment in whatever way that that looks like for them. That's that's my role in the community. And when women are empowered, when trans people are empowered, when people of color are empowered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then we're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. I have a six-year-old, and she walked with Maggie in the Pride Parade. Ah, excellent. And so she notices her billboards every single time, and then yours came up, and then Sheila's came up. And, like, we had to pull over the other day, and she, like, got out on the road and started counting the women. And I was like, is this going to be her world? Ah, Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Which is pretty cool because that just cool. didn't exist for me at that age. Yep. So it's been it's been really great to see, I got to say. It is yeah. great. Oh, I love it. And I, I always good. say to Renee, um, you know, that Dorothy Wyatt was mayor when I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Like I was like five years old. I would say Renee reminds me of Dorothy Wyatt. And it, like it never would have occurred to me that I couldn't be involved in politics because St. John's had a female mayor when I was a little girl. And she was, you know, awesome because she was just so unapologetically herself, yeah. right? Yeah. She would just, you know, she said whatever she wanted to say and she said, it the way she wanted to say it and yeah I think your authenticity reminds me of that that's a huge compliment yeah I really (laughs) appreciate that yeah you mentioned uh Shani Duff too who of course is on the equal voice committee and she's been actively working with all the women and meeting with all the women who were running for council this year um and she's another example I think of what happens uh like she was mayor uh I think it was for a brief time and she's Mm -hmm. been deputy mayor and counselor and counselor at large uh but she was given the reins when kind of at a really bad time, which so often happens to female mm-hmm. politicians when failure is imminent. You know, it's like, oh. it's a, you know, a political party is about to lose power. Okay, we can put a woman in charge now, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh. And so, yeah, it's, it's I mean, again, Our it's a well-established. Minister, like, yeah, Ka- right? Kim Campbell, another <laughs> yeah. example. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the glass cliff theory, they call mm. it. When failure is imminent, yes. that's when it will be given to a woman mm-hmm. to take charge mm-hmm. which you know then furthers the narrative that you know women don't belong in politics or women don't mm-hmm. belong in leadership roles or whatever mm-hmm. so that's really unfortunate mm-hmm. um you know so that that is something too we always have to take into account when um, talking about female politicians uh 
you mentioned we talked a little bit about money um campaign finance has emerged as a big issue in this election uh and i think ian froud has announced you know he's going to release his donors list uh and you know hope jameson has called on all candidates to do that um do you have any thoughts you know i, I know you're um kind of you're running a kind of individual donations campaign. Do you have any thoughts on the future of campaign finance, which is becoming a big political issue now? I would like to address one thing before we go to that, um, because it is an important question, but I do want to say really quickly, uh, speaking about the women in politics, I, I look forward to uh, more of that mentorship with the, with the equal voice and uh, speaking about making the list of the women who have previously served on council and as mayor and the list that currently exists of the other women running for council. I really am excited about the mentorship that is happening there and the community building and the sisterhood that is being built uh, there. And I really um, am excited to nurture that uh, as, as a collective. I Me do want to say that. <laughs> I, and I want to say thank you uh, to uh, Equal equal Voice. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for making this happen. And thank you to all of the women who have ran before me and who have had a seat at the table. And thank you for being trailblazers and being so inspirational. And I, I, I did need to say that before we moved on to that because it's, it's mm-hmm. everything. And so in regards to um, campaign funding... It is obviously an issue when people have the big bucks behind them and then they get the voice and they get the position and then it continues. Capitalism. <laughs> and the, when, when people, when only a few people benefit from the capitalist system that the people with the money are getting the, uh, the, the airtime, the, the, the signs are everywhere because they have that cash and then they get in, then they get the votes, and they're more trusted because they have that economic backing. We do need a way to equalize that so everyone can feel uh, that they have a, a winning chance at all to run for, for mayor um, or for a seat at the council at all. When I'm running on an individual uh, donation basis, I have hope in the process I have hope in the democratic process. I have hope in people's uh, need for change in the city, a positive change. But I would be lying if I said I feel a bit... uh, You know that image that that, uh, many, many people put out of... um, how people have different opportunities based on their economic status, their skin color, their they they yeah, yeah. right? We an acknowledgement of privilege, an acknowledgement of how people are in different places when it comes to the opportunities that they have in this world. Um one of the disadvantages when it comes to this this political game is having a lack of uh, uh, funding. It's true. There's no doubt. So I would love a way to equalize that playing field. Do you, what are your ideas? Because I'm curious. Like, how would that, what would that look like? How would that happen? 
Uh, well, social media has done a lot. Yeah. Um, because it makes the cost of running a, a campaign less. It's easier to get your message out mm-hmm. and get your message out to mm-hmm. younger people, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, social media, internet uh, reaches voters who are 45 and under. Mm-hmm. Uh, that still leaves the question of how do you reach the older voters? And obviously, right. as time goes on, um, that's going to change. I, I do think transparency is important. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, releasing donors lists or whatever. I think a rule has been made at City Hall that there's no more taking donations from numbered companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously important. But, you know, we, we've definitely seen a change in this because, you know, Trudeau spent less money than Harper. Mm-hmm. Um and Trump spent less money than Hillary. Uh, you know, I think Macron in France um, used social media very effectively. Uh, I mean, social media is a great tool for democratization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it requires a candidate who's on the cutting edge to take full advantage of that, mm-hmm. right? And who understands the electorate and who understands where politics is going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you know what? It's always been that way. It's always the candidate who can see where the media is going, right? Like Franklin Roosevelt understood mm-hmm. radio. Kennedy mm-hmm. understood mm-hmm. television. Mm-hmm. Um, Obama understood the internet and was mm-hmm. the first to use it to solicit donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically, whoever can get ahead on what the next great wave is in politics will be the one who um, will win. And, and what we're seeing right now is the ne- next great wave is um, voting for people who, you know, aren't, um, you know, completely funded by business or um, high-cost donors and people who know how to communicate. And that's why I always say to women, you know, you've got a lot to bring to the table. You don't need as much money. You don't need those fundraising networks that were traditionally important. You've always, you know, if you're a good organizer and you can communicate well with people, you can win an election. Mm. Um, So I think it's going to be less of an issue. What's an issue is that people want transparency. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, good. That was empowering to hear. (laughs) Yeah. And when when I say that to women, it is empowering. You can see it in their faces that it's empowering it's like oh okay yeah she's right i can do this yes yeah yeah and the other thing that's really empowering to women is when i talk about the research that shows that female politicians are more effective than male politicians oh we all know that (laughs) (laughs) um there is actual research that you know women bring a lot more money into their districts um women more bipartisan they sponsor more legislation they co-sponsor more legislation their legislation gets more media attention yeah um you know, we, we need more research. Uh, we need more research in the Newfoundland context. We need mm-hmm. more research in the municipal context. But all the information we have right now is that women are very effective politicians. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I'd suspect, because women are good organizers. And yeah. that's that's becoming really important right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I, I would like to add to that. And the, to me, the importance is, yes, women are, are killing it, doing an excellent job. But I extra value uh, the women who acknowledge uh, the the anti-oppression framework that we have to work within and acknowledge um, uh, the the need for transparency like all all the good stuff because we we absolutely um, uh, our our gender identity doesn't necessarily make us a good leader but it is exciting to make sure that that women who have 
good politics that are fair to people in the community are getting Mm -hmm. in there and doing a good job. And it never fails, you know, that when I talk about that research, um, you know, on a call-in show or whatever, uh, someone will call in and say, but what about this politician that made that mistake that time? Yeah, Right. So like all women everywhere have to pay for that one mistake that that one woman made there. You know, know, nobody's saying that women are perfect. No, that's right. Just that the aggregate research indicates. And a lot of times, too, like I was talking, about you know women take over when failure was imminent or women get blamed for mistakes that men made or yeah 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 Yeah. but I always have to make sure to say it because only because I want everyone to feel included in this this conversation you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that we're talking about empowering women but also empowering trans women and people in the trans community etc and and making sure that we know that if you're a woman who's in a leadership role, you have a an anti-oppression approach, and th- and that's all I mean. I sell it uh, like I am the biggest feminist on the go, and and, and I'm in good company. Uh, but but we have to make sure it's a you know it's it's a feminism that is anti-racist and anti-homophobia and and. Uh, anti-classist you know all, all the intersectional all the femis- Inter- feminism intersectional mm-hmm. feminism and that's what we're talking about so I just always need to put that in there and I think too like you were talking about capitalism and this might be actually a good point for us to close down on mm-hmm. um, like we've got to get our, our heads around the problem of neoliberal economics I think the politicians mm-hmm. of the future are going to be the ones who understand the problems of neoliberal economics mm-hmm. uh, it, I mean, you can't really like turn around without hearing about millennials, and you'll you'll note there's a lot of millennials running mm-hmm. in this election, uh, and you know the like the cost of university tuition became a big issue this year, and you know what people forget is it costs way more to live now while you go to university right. because when I was going to university, apartments were like three hundred dollars oh, yeah. a month, yeah. and now they're like twelve hundred dollars a month, which mm-hmm. is like a fourfold increase. Um, not only that, so, you, you know, wages aren't worth as much as they were then. That's right. Right? So you're coming out of university. You're going into a tub- tougher job market mm-hmm. where there are fewer good jobs. You're getting paid essentially what people with high school education got paid 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the housing market has doubled in Newfoundland. In some places, it's probably more than doubled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so in St. John's, you apparently need a car to get anywhere. So. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and th- it's no wonder, you know, people react to things like consumption taxes. I mean, I think, I've, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the electorate is, it's kind of in a place right now that I've never seen it before, mm. which is why we're seeing this diversity of people running for council. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a need. Yeah, and, and we're working really hard to meet that need. People want to see those issues addressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big time. And it's exciting. I think it's a really exciting time for St. John's. I think there's going to be incredible changes made. And despite uh, despite the outcome of, of what hap- happens with this election, this is powerful. These conversations are powerful. powerful. The fact that I'm a working class woman running for mayor is powerful in and of itself. I'm a success. This whole situation is a, su- a success that women are running for so many seats on the council this year. Uh, and we, this is, this is the beginning of something good. There are some real changes happening in the city and issues are being brought to the forefront um, that needed to be. And I do want to say that me running for mayor 
has given me the platform and the mic to raise up the issues that we have all been working and struggling with uh, working towards a safe city in our communities. That work was undervalued. It was not heard. It was not being taken seriously. And now that I'm running for mayor, I am given the opportunity and I feel privileged to have the opportunity to raise the voices and the concerns of the most left out people in our city. And already I feel incredible about the position that I'm in right now. I feel um, that it's it's moving towards a far more equitable St. John's and that's exciting. So things are that good. That is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're really glad we could give you a platform to talk about that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, good? Yeah, thank yeah. you. Okay.